Hello and welcome to the podcast panel show that wants to do the right thing in any situation. For example, what is the correct way to taste the early morning dew? Lick his neck whilst he's waiting at the bus stop. <laughs> I'm Danielle Ward and with me trying to do the right thing today. He's like the spirit of Christmas, wrapped up in a rainbow and shat out of an upstairs window. It's Michael Legg! <laughs> him, Lionel's haircut and battle cat's feet. It's Sarah Kendall. <laughs> On my right, she's a flood-damaged Rachel Vice. <laughs> it's Margaret Cavon Smith. I'll take it. I'll take it. And with her, imagine a child's drawing of a magic leak. <laughs> it's Chris Addison. <laughs> So, uh, this is like the last do the right thing we're doing for ages. Oh. Um, and I think a lot of you probably want to know why. And that is because Margaret is transitioning. And back again. <laughs> back and forth and back and forth. It's confusing. It's like you're at the Olympics, aren't you? It's every four years. You're right, Margaret. Cunt. <laughs> yeah, no, this is the. Mine's real. This is the. Uh, <laughs> This isn't it? Your cunt's not real. Is that what we're starting with? Yeah. <laughs> it is. No, you've got somewhere no, to I'm go. Totally happy with anyone who wants to check. <laughs> one person put their hand up, by the way. Oh. One. <laughs> one. Uh, round one is the importance of being right. The importance of being right. Just like that time Dick Childs tried to Google himself, I've run into some trouble online. <laughs> In this round, I'm going to give each team a scenario and they're going to tell me what is the right thing to do according to Brett Anderson. Oh, God. <laughs> and Bernard Cyberbutler. Whoa! <laughs> We've given up! <laughs> it's a reference to Ask Jeeves. <laughs> oh, I know. It's all for me. <laughs> Margaret and Chris, you're on a first-class business flight to St Lucia and you'll be doing some business there, perhaps directing an episode of Veep or starring in a new ad warning people to get their tax return done on time. <laughs> you sip a cocktail and shoot a flirty smile at the person sat opposite, but they don't smile back because they're a bag of snakes. <laughs> Snakes soon get in every pipe on the plane, and within minutes, the captain is crying in three different languages, and everyone is Snapchatting their final moments on God's earth. Then, nothing. You wake somewhere beautiful, with a mouthful of wet sand and a terrible headache. So what is the right way to get rescued from a desert island, according to howcast.com? Does the desert island have mobile signal so we can find this website no. to get off the desert No, you should have looked beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you'd be good on a desert island, Chris? I'm not good on this island. <laughs> I'd be very good. I've got a joint honours degree in English and philosophy. <laughs> so you'd be able to think, well, silly. <laughs> yeah. I can um, whistle really loudly. That's sort of helpful, isn't it? Oh, my God, I've actually hurt my ears. Uh -oh. oh, we're saved! <laughs> Somebody out there heard me! 
right, okay. If it was just you and Chris on a desert island, yes. who would eat whom? Look at him. <laughs> He's all gristle. <laughs> Michael and Sarah, mm-hmm. same question. I think I would be really okay with cannibalism. Really? Like frighteningly, like <laughs> early doors, like first couple of days, I'd be like, yeah. well, who's it fucking going to be? Because I'm hungry and it's meat. It's just meat, so who is the weakest link? You know we've still got gonna... some cans over here? That's garnishing. This is actual meat. This is like tapas. There's meat here, though. It's That's, spam. It's not enough, though. <laughs> Sarah, are you the sort of woman who would like to be alone or do you need company? No, I need company. I was thinking about Castaway. Castaway is one of my favourite movies. And every time I watch Castaway, I'm always thinking, what would I do and how would I so imagining that I was the Tom Hanks character and I had the same things that he had you know like are there some moment in the movie where a boat goes past and he tries to do the SOS with the torch yeah. I would have a huge bonfire ready to go at all times with like heaps of dry wood and stuff and I'd try to get that bonfire just for whenever there was a passing ship or anything like that or he had a pager I get the piece of glass from the pager and I don't know if you could use that as reflected light to get the attention of a you like, really have thought about this I love the movie I fucking love it what I would really... you call your ball oh that's a good question I'd call it Danielle Ward oh there you go easy, like my easy. boyfriend like your boyfriend yeah. calls you exactly calls his balls calls his balls <laughs> Danielle Ward yeah Michael Legg you're a very angry man Hello. Would you <laughs> would you find the idea of being alone on a desert island Honestly, attractive? it's my fucking dream. The idea that someone might rescue me... Well, I'd kill them. <laughs> I'd absolutely kill them. What's your favourite sort of holiday? Well, I don't mind being in solitary confinement. <laughs> Do you know, I've always found that. You know, watch your film where they put in solitary. Yeah. I think that would be great. Yeah. Why do they all moan about that? Oh, God, you're such fucking miserable cunt. <laughs> Not Do you know what, if I thought killing a load of people would get me finally a bit of fucking peace and quiet, <laughs> you'd all be dead. <laughs> Chris Addison, have you been on Desert Island Discs? I don't listen, I don't know. No, I, I haven't been on What Desert would be Island. your song? Your, your one song that you listen to till it drives you insane and you kill yourself, which I assume is what they're going for. It would be Joe Dolce's Shut Up Your Face. It would be quite quick, wouldn't it? You'd end yourself fairly quickly. Would it be a pointy stick or walking into the ocean? I think it would just be lying and becoming sun-dried. That would be amazing. So they find you, you spread yourself out into a strange shape. But um, maybe a good way of being rescued from a desert island would be to put on a lot of weight so you're more visible. Oh. That's a really, really good survival technique. Brilliant. OK, a simplified question for you, Margaret and Chris. Oh, what is the first thing you should do when you find yourself on a deserted island? Is it a crafty wank? <laughs> I'd be doing that as the plane goes down. As the plane goes down? Yeah. That would be amazing if they then found the wreckage and took it to forensic. <laughs> what seems to have happened is a woman orgasmed the plane to explode. I could do that. <laughs> Show off. Yeah. Hey, I go to Pilates. <laughs> Okay, so, so it's gonna be, there's going to be a lot of jizz everywhere. That's, that's one of the things. That floats, doesn't it? We know that about jizz, so maybe we can make a jizz bridge. A jizz boat. Trust me, I've been trying to make a jizz bridge for about 25 years. How's it going? Well, it's more of a sticky path. The subject of jizz, you're on a desert island. Would you eat your own jizz as a source of protein? I mean, you know, whatever comes along. As it were. How much?
much jizz have you eaten? Well, <laughs> I, the first thing you do on a desert island, I think, is dig down, see if there are any thunderbirds under there. <laughs> Sarah, Michael, what would you do? Try to escape. Right. Has anyone thought sure. of that yet? How? Well, How? you make a boat out of um, a tree and a boat. I mean, have you looked around for a boat yet? <laughs> Has anyone thought of finding a boat? Oh, he's going to get a point for this. Rent I know he is. Ben, who's got points? Anybody close? According to howcast.com, first, you should find a source of fresh water. And if you want to know that, listen to Series 2, Episode 5 of Do the Right Thing, which is all about finding water on a desert island. I don't listen to it. Fine. Not my sort of thing. (laughs) I've given two points to Michael and Sarah and one and a half points to Margaret and Chris. Uh, So one point to Sarah for make a fire the old-fashioned way and use it to signal for help. If possible, build three fires in a straight line with about 100 feet between them. It's an internationally recognised distress signal, That's apparently. A lot. That's a lot of fire. I mean, you don't have to build a very big fire for it to be seen. Yes, you do. Do you see how far the ships are away from the islands? It's a long way. Wait till night. <laughs> He's got I a point. I'm not stuck with you and your sarcasm, Chris. Putting <laughs> up with your little snarky comments, wanking in a corner whilst I'm trying to build a fucking fire. No, she's Wait. right. The, uh, the next answer is... And I gave uh, Margaret and Chris two half points for this. Arrange rocks, leaves or clothes into geometric patterns like triangles, circles and X's. Make your display contrast with the ground and as large as possible so passing aircraft can see it. If you've got enough materials, spell out SOS. So Chris said die spread into a strange shape. (laughs) Which I thought was worth half a mark. And Margaret said eat so much till you're massive. So that sort of counts as well. And then one very good point for Sarah. Use a mirror or a piece of shiny metal. Get to the highest terrain possible and aim it to reflect the sun onto passing ships or airplanes. And at the final point, half a mark for Chris for his very first point. Howcast also says, if you're lucky enough to have a cell phone with reception, call for help. (laughs) I did actually get dropped somewhere when I was at college. There was this initiation thing that they don't do anymore because people got hurt and stuff. But the idea was you get people quite drunk and then you'd leave them somewhere and they had to make their way back to college. And most of the time they'd dress them as like a sheep or something and they'd drop them in the centre of Sydney and then they'd have to make their way back. But my group got totally fucked over and they drove us seven hours and left us in this mountain range. And I was dressed in a panda costume and, and I was with a man and a woman and I totally went to pieces. I think this is why I've watched Castaway and I watched them thinking, oh, I've got to get into my head and be better next time for the next time I get kidnapped and left <laughs> drunk in the outback. Oh, well, we... <laughs> she got captured and taken to a zoo. <laughs> where I had to breed. (laughs) I was their breeding panda. Um, We hitchhiked with these guys and- uh, Is it Wolf Creek? It was kind of like Wolf Creek. (laughs) So we hitchhiked with these guys and they had guns in the front, they had their rifles. And they said, just get in the back. And we're sitting in what we thought was rainwater, pinky kind of watery, and there were dead boars. They'd been out (laughs) boar hunting. There were dead boars in the back under a tarpaulin and we were sitting in their blood. And I'm not even making this up. It feels like I'm making this up. But I swear to fucking God I'm not making this up. And then we end up back at their house. And they were having like a barbecue, which was just really frightening. And um, and I said, can I use your phone? And they were like, they hated us. They were so mean to us. I do think an implication with a barbecue is you're next. That's exactly yes, it. And that's, that's what it means, right? A threatening barbecue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, can I use your phone? And I went and rang my dad. I was like, dad, I don't know where I am. You've got to come and help me. And my dad is a dentist. 
And um, <laughs> he's great in a crisis, though. So uh, my mum and dad drive. It took them six hours to get to this place. And my mum and dad arrive in their fucking Volvo station wagon. And my dad got out and he's like, um, can we just have the kids? We're sorry about this. And everything had got so tense. It kind of felt like it was going to get really fucked up. Anyway, we got into the car and my dad had a gun. My dad had a gun in the back seat. To take them out? To fucking take them out. You should have turned up with the dentist's chair and a drill just as they opened the door. Is it safe? Give me my daughter. Is it it safe? (laughs) Michael and Sarah. (laughs) Pew, pew, pew! With the gun in one hand and a bag of cash in the other, you are racing through the streets of Liverpool after committing an armed robbery. Sexy. You leap into a dumpster and hide as you hear the rosers rush past. As you wait for your getaway driver to pick you up, you start a WhatsApp group to invite people to your birthday drinks next weekend. Your finger hovers over your ex-lover's number. Last time you saw them, they called you more disappointing than JJ Abrams. So what is the right way to stay friends with an ex-lover according to Glamour magazine? Wasn't that the story she just told? (laughs) Sarah, are you friends with exes? I think the only way that can possibly work is if you so totally didn't love each other in the first place. And if my husband was like really good friends with someone who he had once been passionately in love with, that would just drive me into a mad jealous rage and I'd kill them both. Michael, do you try and stay friends with ex-lovers? I think it's just a great way of making friends anyway, is to go out with people knowing that they will dump you within a couple of weeks and then you can be friends. (laughs) It's a great way to make friends. I've written down here in my notes, I hate everyone I've ever slept with. I wish their knobs would would fall off. I mean, I believe, Danielle, that you once said to me, when I see someone I've slept with, I just think, you've been inside me. Why aren't you dead? <laughs> now that can go in or not. But, um, I, I Surely they are a little bit, though. Has come from. <laughs> that is Something a... in the eyes, isn't there? Yeah. Isn't it? When you They're not there Danielle's anymore. <laughs> Don't you think that once you've been there with someone, I think the whole reason I can't do it is just because the jealousy thing is if the shoe was on the other foot and my husband was Exactly. Like... As a woman, do you not wish you had teeth down there so it snapped it no, off? No, that's really yes. not what she <laughs> says. <laughs> You've got to listen. Listen. <laughs> she was talking about empathy, I think. I was nodding the whole time going, yes, I'm essentially saying I wish I had vagina dentata. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. There, there is a really good way of staying friends, though. When you come to the end of a relationship, the fear is that we won't be friends anymore. So what you do is, just before you split up, you go and see as many of your married friends as possible and then go, see, we could be those cunts. (laughs) And then your partner will go, yeah, you're right. I'd rather be friends (laughs) than fucking chained enemies. Margaret, are you good at staying friends with your exes? I only have two exes, and I've never done. We're not talking about chromosomes. (laughs) (laughs) On and on about my bloody chromosomes. It's no shame. The Y is well overrated. Chris, are you friends with any of your exes? Yeah, I'm friends with one of my exes, but there was a sort of twenty-year gap. 
where we weren't friends. But we have a lot of friends in common. How old were you when you went out? We went out at university. If I was your wife, I'd be so threatened by that. Are you serious? Yep. Definitely. But my wife is much more stable than you. (laughs) She's not a (laughs) stand-up. She's not a stand-up. She's not one of us. She's a human. (laughs) Okay, so in that hypothetical situation where you've got friends and common stuff, any time you guys were talking to each other, I'd think, he's put his dick in her. He's had his dick in her. And that would just drive me crazy. Exactly. That's you, what you, you want and to die. And her vagina has had your dick in it. I, what are they talking I, about? Are they talking about their dicks and vaginas? I bet that's what they're they talking are? about. What you're sort of talking what about, about this as though that what you're saying is a reasonable response. <laughs> <laughs> you're saying, I would do this. And implications, therefore, this is the thing that everybody would do and perfectly normal and reasonable. When, in fact, you need help. <laughs> I've just realised my husband is literally, as we speak... Uh, Under that another woman. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yes, yeah. Uh, no, being directed by his ex-girlfriend. Wait, what? <gasps> oh, oh, was a paper. <gasps> directed to do what? In a play, in a play. Maybe I'm massively arrogant. But my husband slept with, on the television, two people who were in the top 100 sexiest ladies in the country, as voted by FHM. But I met them. (laughs) I was not threatened. Um, (laughs) No, because one of them didn't know what the word etiquette meant. (laughs) And how could you be threatened by that? Yes. Yes, she might be enveloping my husband's penis with her perfectly manicured vagina, but she is an imbecile. I don't know. I couldn't fuck an imbecile. That is a great T-shirt. I'm having that T-shirt, though. Oh, my God, I'm now getting really scared. I've jinxed my old marriage and he's sleeping with his ex. It's fine. It's fine. He won't be. Why go out for a burger when you've got a really good burger at home? (laughs) Glamour magazine has a list of commandments for staying friends with an ex. We'll give you points if you can name any of them. Only see them with their partner. Only see them through bulletproof glass. (laughs) Is it just, you know, try not to talk about that time? Find other interests in common? (laughs) Find somebody else that you mutually hate that you can slag off. Oh, that is good. I think that's actually the glue in pretty much all of my friendships. <laughs> Do you basically not see them? I mean, as in give them space. <laughs> Do you send them into space? Oh, that's good. Yeah, there you go. I've won. No one is emotionally equipped to answer this question, Ben. I I literally... I can't imagine a world in which that's an easy thing to do. Why would you want to be friends with your ex? Yeah, what the fuck is wrong with you, Ben, you prick? (laughs) The whole thing should never happen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Shut up, Ben. Hang on, hang on. Ben, what's the answer? (laughs) Actually, I've given out four and a half points. So the first point is give it time. Allow things to heal. Wait a minimum of half the time you dated before re-establishing contact. So I gave both Michael and Chris a point. Me and my ex did date for 40 years. <laughs> for the, for you the are 20 years. Good. Yeah. <laughs> the second point is never be alone together. You could break this rule after like a decade or so, says Amanda, a 33-year-old lawyer in Chicago. This is Glamour magazine. I used to go out with her. Anyway, so I gave Margaret a point for that, for saying always meet them with their new partner. This one, agree with your ex on a safe word to use oh if either God. of you starts having That's feelings good. again. 
Mark, 27, from Florida, says, it's been three years and we have yet to say Big Bird. So... I gave um, Sarah sort of half a mark, more out of pity than anything, for... Um, <laughs> For do not flirt, be completely non-sexual with your exes. So, I didn't even say so, that. You, know, you said, are they talking about dicks and vaginas? And <laughs> no, they're not. Ben's flirting is to talk about dicks and vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the final point is, um, do not reminisce together. The happy memories will make oh, you miss what you had, and the bad memories will just piss you off. So a point for Chris there, don't talk about that time you had together. At the end of that round, what are the points producer Ben? Michael and Sarah have three and a half, Margaret and Chris have four and a half. Coming this summer to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, it's Michael Legg and his brand new show, Jerk. It's an afternoon's light entertainment with Michael Legg on the harpsichord. 60 minutes of harpsichord classics including Bach's Minuet in G Major, Rachmaninoff's Suite Number no. 5 and Shout Out to My Ex by Little Mix, all performed by me, Michael Legg. If I've learned how to play the harpsichord by August, if not, I'll just be screaming in your face about how awful my life is and how awful you are. That's the plan. It's from the 3rd of August to the 27th of August, starting at 1.20pm at The Stand, venue number two. You can get tickets at thestand.co.uk or edfringe.com. Love you, bye-bye. Like standing on Lego, Michael's ultraviolet clown persona, this next round is Agony. In this round, I'll be getting the panel to solve some problems for our audience. But before that, they can sharpen their advice-giving swords with a letter sent to a real Agony aunt. Michael, could you read this, please? Dear Agony aunt, my wife of more than ten years has always been a bit of a nudist. (laughs) Nothing public! but around the house and by our pool and out in the boat. She likes to be in the buff. Our son is now six years old and my daughter is three and they're being raised in the nude. (laughs) Now that they are getting older, I think it might be time that everyone starts covering up. My wife disagrees. Are we doing damage to our kids here? Chris and Margaret, yes. what do you think of this dilemma of nudity? I'm married to somebody who... He's not uh, a nudist. A no, nudist. he puts a shirt and tie on to go for a wee in the night. Uh, oh, he's very, really? Like, he's the opposite of a nudist. Margaret, and I'm tops no bottom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, his, his balls will be swinging tie, free. They really tie goes around his cock. And I used to... Um, <laughs> yeah, Brittany style. Um, they all do that in Brittany. <laughs> You're so Wondering how sheets. We used to live in a second floor flat and uh, we sort of overlooked an adult education facility and he used to say to me, Oh, stop showing the losers your tits. <laughs> Again, if a great t shirt. Losers. If those losers have made that much of an effort to see a pair of middle-aged tits, they're welcome to them. Aren't all children fundamentally nudists? All kids just basically want to take their clothes off and run around, so it's fine. Yeah, as a serious point, I think it's really wrong to make them ashamed of their bodies too early, because they will get there. (laughs) We're all there. 
Put your hand, your hand if you're uh, not ashamed of your body. Yeah. We're fine. Well, sir, you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, there, is there a halfway house that could be achieved here? So could they maybe paint a suit on? Michael and That's Sarah. Compromise. That's how marriage works. <laughs> so, Michael, you don't have kids. No. But if you had imaginary kids... I've got loads of them. <laughs> They're what, awful. What, what's your feeling on children being brought up n- nudists? Right, here's the thing. I went out with someone who had a child, and one day I looked after their child while they were at work. And when they came home, said, oh, how was everything between you and her? And I was like, yeah, it was fine. Uh, can I just tell you one thing? It was a bit weird. She went through about half an hour of constantly saying, can I see your willy? Can I see your welly? And I was like, no, you can't see my welly. And it was, yeah, it was that uncomfortable. <laughs> but I said, no, you can't see my welly. And I told her that, and she went, oh, and you said no. And I, yeah, that's what I said. The thing is, we, we don't really want her to be, you know, sort of like feeling weird about body. So it would have been better if you'd just shown her, no, no. And now, Operation U-Tree, I see in a very different light. Because I think those people were trying to help. Sarah, you've got two children. Yeah. How would you feel if they said, Mummy, can you and Daddy be naked? See, I don't like nudity much. You know, on The Muppets, there's this episode where Sam Eagle got really upset because he realised that under his feathers he was naked, and yeah. that's how I feel. But we I don't... all look better in a pair of pants. Everyone looks better in pants. Pants and hands over the tits. Exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. GQ built an entire magazine. Exactly. <laughs> Can I just say on that horrific chat, uh, my daughter was uh, having a play date at this friend's house and uh, the daughter had gone downstairs. This is when they were about six. And the parents kind of went, wait a second, where's Janie? And my daughter went, oh, Janie went downstairs. And they went, no! And everybody ran downstairs. And they went, give it over, give it, like she was under a duvet. And they went, give it, give it over to us right now. And she came out from under the duvet and handed them Eagle Piggle. And apparently they had to stop her from masturbating on Eagle Piggle. You should listen to the Doc Brown episode of Do the Right Thing. (laughs) Producer Ben, what advice did the actual agony aunt give? She didn't really get as far as masturbation, to be honest. Um, Again, a great Um, (laughs) T-shirt. This advice comes from Dear Prudence at Slate.com. She says... You say your wife is a bit of a nudist, but your description suggests that she only puts on clothes when not doing so would get her arrested. I think a clothing optional option is only fair for your children, but good luck convincing your wife that you'd like her to spend more money on her wardrobe. So I gave a point to uh, Michael and Sarah, because they seemed anti, whereas Margaret and Chris weirdly... Very, very pro. pro. (laughs) So now you've learnt how a real agony aunt does it, let's see if you can deal with some problems from tonight's audience. Is Jude here? There's Jude. Jude's problem is, I like taking my shoes off in workshops, in brackets, meetings. I think it helps me think better, but it's seen as unprofessional. What should I do? Keep your shoes on. (laughs) It's really simple. I don't know why you're even asking the question. (laughs) I hate shoe off people. Fuck off. Oh, you go around to someone says, can you take your shoes off? No, I fucking can't because of my fucking shoes. And they're on my feet and that's where they remain because I'm not in my house. Buddhist temple. I'm in your fucking bed set. Do you take your. Anyway, thanks very much for your question. (laughs) You're an appalling human being. Where is Jude? Have you got the microphone, Jude? Yep. Hello. (laughs) She's the nicest person on earth, everybody. 
Jude, I empathise. Shoes aren't part of the patriarchy. Um, <laughs> the part that stops your feet from bleeding. What do you do, Jude? I just take them off and leave them. No, on. no, 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 no. You're, no, it's a, I mean, that's not your job, is it? No. Taking your shoes off. <laughs> Business analyst. Oh my god. You're a systems analyst. No business analyst. How this you... RT unit has got a bad motivator. <laughs> what would you do? Have you thought about taking one off? No. no. Great stuff, Margaret. Really top draw. Why not it's wear a compromise? More, wear a more comfortable shoe in the first place. Like your Birkenstock. That's a comfortable shoe. That's just a quick fix. Come to terms with the fact that you don't need to take your fucking shoes off. <laughs> is the solution. Jude, are you wearing shoes now? Yep. So what's the problem? Yeah. You're a I'm... fucking hypocrite. No, calm down. No, shut up, Margaret. No one likes you. I've got a really good idea, Jude. Have shoes tattooed onto your feet. Yes. And build up calluses. That is a good idea. On the it's a good idea. Yeah. Who's getting the points, Jude? You are, definitely. Yeah! Jude likes me, Michael! Jude likes me! Pity you. Pity you. Is Savina Serrana here? Yeah. My best friend has recently become friends with this new group. Problem is, they're very boring and have no sense of humour. What can I do? So how have you become friends with these people? I've known my friend for, like, 12 years. They've come along in the past six months, but I can't stand them. Where have they come from, these people? Yeah. They're friends of friends, and they've just kind of infiltrated his life, and it's really weird. Just a whole yeah. group? Yeah, there's like All 12 of them, and literally I have... 12? Honestly, honestly, honestly... Jesus! Is he Jesus? <laughs> no, you've stopped. Here's a clue. They're boring. When you go out to dinner, do they all sit along a table like this? <laughs> He's made 12 friends in six... I don't have 12 friends in my entire (laughs) life. He's done it in six months on top of the friends he already has. He's probably just a great guy. (laughs) That's why I still want to be friends with him. What is it that you like about your friends so much that you want to stay friends? We've known each other since we've been, like, really young, so we've grown up together and... And Do you have a separate group of friends from his group of friends also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You do? And what does he think of them? Ooh... <laughs> that is a good shout. Maybe you're is the boy. Is it possible? Maybe I'm the. Oh, I hope not. Is it possible? Fingers <laughs> crossed! <laughs> 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 Do they yeah. all work at the same place? We go university together, so. Yeah. yeah. You're at university now? Yeah. Oh, fuck him. Turn him over. <laughs> get some new ones. Oh, here's the thing. Just arrange the team without those friends. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Dick! Next! <laughs> Because I have a lot of different groups of friends, and uh, I, I've delivered through my life. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, loads of them. Yeah. Some of them are oh, American. Yeah, of Some of them are American. And they're Julie Louis Dreyfus, the real one. <laughs> but. But I've deliberately not mixed any of those groups of friends because some of them are assholes and so. So just keep them you, separate. Yeah, just be like a bee. You've got a bunch of cells. Just keep them separate. It's fine, and it's all honey. <laughs> Ruin that. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. Who would you award points to on the panel for that advice? Chris. 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 Yeah. Obviously. Round of applause, Chris. <laughs> Let's check the scores. Producer Ben. Michael and Sarah have now have four and a half, but Margaret and Chris have stretched the lead. They now have six and a half. 
Believe it or not, there are some questions the internet just can't answer, like, how long is Glenn staying? <laughs> Somebody type how long is Glenn staying into Google now. Yeah, there'll be an answer. In these instances, we need to ask the expert. Ask, 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 ask. So let's welcome today's trained professional. It's kitchen gadgets <laughs> expert, Rick Samada. <laughs> it's Rick! What is your favourite gadget? Knife and fork. Oh, <laughs> Old school. Yeah. Is your kitchen wow. like the kitchen from Wallace and Gromit? Or is it a kitchen... Made of plasticine like a... and very <laughs> small. <laughs> or is it like a normal kitchen that a normal lady would have? Uh, it's... <laughs> It's a normal kitchen surrounded with all sorts of shit that people send me. I don't have a toaster or a microwave. Is that weird? How do you make toast and ready meals? Grill. <laughs> okay. No, every human being on earth has a no, toaster. Yeah. That is a fact. I yes, have. Fact. Yeah. How are you going to kill yourself in the bath when it all gets too much? <laughs> so, uh, you can't yeah. drag the entire grill in there. You can put your back out. I think toasters come with the houses now, don't they? You get a free house with every toaster. <laughs> <laughs> the very expensive right down curries. <laughs> Rick, what qualifies you as a kitchen gadget expert? Well, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that because oh, the answer is nothing. There's nothing. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> How do you get to be one then? What, what, tell us your journey, Rick Samada. Yeah. Um, they wanted me to do a column, The Guardian. And they said, "What can you do?" And I said, "Nothing." <laughs> <laughs> So we chose kitchen gadgets because it was the most banal, crass thing we could think of. It's weird because it's not, I'm not really a food writer, but I'm not kosher enough to be a tech writer. But it's also, we all eat food. Yeah. <laughs> Danielle, is this you flirting? <laughs> it's really bad. Really we bad. We all eat food. <laughs> Maybe you'd like to eat food with me. <laughs> Later on, in a chicken cottage. <laughs> and I'll do you round the bins. I think we've all learnt how that ends. <laughs> right, panel. In a moment, you're going to have to second guess what Rick would do in some kitchen gadget-based scenarios. My God. But before that, you've got a chance to get to know him a bit better by asking some pertinent questions. Michael, have you got anything you'd like to ask Rick? Yep. What's your favourite Marillion album? <laughs> If it's post-fish, fuck you. Anything pre-fish. <laughs> Chris, any questions? Is Lakeland the best shop in the world or what? <laughs> it's pretty good. They're pretty useful. Unbelievable. Yeah, great. My friend, our friend Carl, uh, was in there with his mum. And his mum, it's everything in here. Stuff you haven't even heard of. What's a jar-opener? It's a jar-opener. <laughs> I'm just going to ask Rick the first question. Um, so this is for all of you. You have to guess what Rick would do in this situation. Mm -hmm. A group of the more frustrated mums at Rick's local independent school have pulled six weeks' worth of Chardonnay money <laughs> to pay for him to visit the year nines and give them an egg lesson just in time for Easter. An, <laughs> an egg lesson? <laughs> They want all the best eggy gadgets demonstrated, but he's only got room in his bag for one, as his satchel is, ironically, filled with chicken. <laughs> Faced with this sophiest of choices... 
what excellent gadget does Rick take along? <laughs> the question is, what gadget does he take? You all know egg gadgets, right? Yes, it's the Krupp four-egg mini-boiler from the 1980s. <laughs> Came with a little test tube thing which had a sort of egg-shaped indentation at the bottom with a small spike so you could spike the bottom of the egg so that it wouldn't break open. Then you pour the water in, put the eggs over that, and it would boil it dry, and then your kitchen would go on fine, you'd know it was ready. <laughs> There are so many egg gadgets. That's the like, slicey like, one. I mean, this low-tech The slicey egg. one. Yeah. The yeah. slicey one, the, the harp. The one that you play as a harp in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> An egg harp. We're going with the egg the harp. Mandolin. Egg yeah. harp. The mandolin. The mandolin. Different string digits. I had a bigger one. Big <laughs> Ostrich eggs. <laughs> There's really low-tech egg gadgets, like the way you can fry your eggs as a heart. <laughs> Heart-shaped fried what's egg What's an corral, egg cottler? Have I made that up? Cottler. A cottled egg. What's cottled. a cottled egg? A cottled egg is an egg that isn't boiled. You just let it warm in the water for a while. It tends not to go so boiled. I think isn't Chris is more of an expert than yeah. Rick is. <laughs> Chris is nailing the egg. Where did around. you train? <laughs> I trained with the colonel. <laughs> Rick what he would do in this situation yeah Rick what egg thing would you do uh, oh the dilemma you're faced with Rick the morals I wanted to be a serious journalist <laughs> people only ask me about eggs yeah well you are the egg man cuckoo cuckoo yeah um, so there is a German gadget called a beep egg basically a floating egg timer you chuck in a pan with your eggs, and it's got sensors inside it that heat up at the same rate as the inside of an egg. When your eggs are softly boiled, it will play Killing Me Softly, which is quite good. If they're hard-boiled, it will play It's a Heartache, a bit more tenuous. And if they're medium, it plays Chick Chick Chicken, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> Rick, there are a lot of egg-based gadgets, aren't there? There are a hell of a lot. What's the most useless gadget that you have ever been sent to review? That poo one. The, the poo, poo one. one. The poo one. I th the uh, the egg master. That There's one. Egg the egg master is a vertical egg grill. You crack eggs into, and then it cooks them inside using some sort of dark magic. And then when they're electricity, cooked, they rise out. <laughs> you are good. Yeah. <laughs> and when they're cooked, they come out the top in a horrible flaccid egg column. That's an egg master. Hey, who hasn't? We've all we've all been there. I'm trying to make a bridge. <laughs> Jizz Bridge in the Horrible Flaccid Egg Column is my favourite Marillion album. <laughs> Scenario two. As a writer for much-loved smartphone app, The Guardian, <laughs> it's not long before big business turns their attention to Rick's very popular column. Fucking hell! Honestly, just blow him! This is pathetic! <laughs> Seriously, Rick, don't, because she will kill you. <laughs> a huge multinational kitchen and vegetable company leaves a note pinned to Rick's front door asking him to meet them at the Borough Market. They explain they want to do a deal, a lifetime supply of spiralised veg in exchange for a great write-up of their latest gadget, the Whittler. This device is one that whittles any appropriate veg into the shape of an old-fashioned walking stick. Is the name of this round podcast or breakdown? <laughs> no one will ever find out about the bribe and most readers will assume it's a huge piss take anyway. So what would Rick do in this situation? Take the bung or stay true to his principles and give the Whitler a slating? Michael and Sarah? I think he'd take the bribe. 
because mm. it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> it does matter, Michael. No, no. I mean, we spoke a little bit before the show and you seem like a pretty stand-up guy. We were both standing up. You mean. <laughs> Chris Addison, Hi. you must be on some sort of BAFTA panel. Did anybody offer you a bribe to swing their BAFTA vote? No. Really? Here is some spiralised vegetables. Please vote for 12 Years a Slave. That's how it happened. It didn't happen. So, <laughs> sounds about exactly right. how it happened. Yeah. No, I think that the spiralised vegetables are not a good enough bone. But are you saying that if there was a better offer, you would take that? Margaret? No, I'm, you think we're talking Rick about Rick, that? aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, rather than spiralised veg, yeah. spiralised go on money. money. No, that's that's useless. A waste. That's bones. worse. It's worse. <laughs> no, I'm going to say that Rick wants to be taken seriously as a journalist, and I feel really sorry for him because he's here. Um, <laughs> Rick, have you ever been offered a bribe? I think you have a very misguided idea of the world of kitchen gadgets. (laughs) (laughs) Do they not offer you money to give them a good review? No, I don't think they care enough. I think a bad review is probably better for them because people talk about bad reviews. What about that sucky thing? (laughs) Your mouth. Danielle, just give it a fucking rest for a minute. We'll talk about the sucky thing afterwards. The sucky yolk thing. I'm really gutted, but I know what she's talking yeah. about. <laughs> that was a sad moment. The sucky yolk egg <laughs> thing. What, what is it, Margaret? Describe it in words it? of someone not trying to fuck Rick. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't do that. <laughs> well, uh. Danielle just leant over to him and said, we're all really sorry. <laughs> So, Rick, Again, what would you do in this teacher. situation? You offer, Rick's offered a bribe. Would you take it? Well, this particular bribe, we're talking about a year's worth of spiralised veg. <laughs> but if you buy a spiralised, you can have a year's worth of spiralised veg. But you've got a spiralised Also, themselves. when would you get the spiralised veg? Is it all up front? Because, yeah, I mean, that just sounds yeah. awful. That sounds like a we'll nightmare. Go Otherwise, yeah. you're going to have to keep meeting them yeah. for spiralised veg. And you threaten to expose yourself by having multiple <laughs> clandestine illegal meetings with the person you've arranged the bribe with. This is a fucking stupid... Stupid idea. Move on to the next question. What about if it was a year's worth of kitchen towel? Uh, again, that sort of depends who you are and what you use it for. I've got cats and children. I go through about seven tons of that shit. So you? I would like, do anything. Yeah. For, for a year's supply of kitchen towel. Wow. Emmy award Seriously, take the fucking Emmy. Give me a year's supply. Would do anything. Yeah. Rick. After those two questions, who would you give points to? (laughs) Can you give negative points? It's tricky because my principles are to take bribes. Yeah. Which Michael said, but Margaret's right, that is a crap bung, so I wouldn't take that one. So... Even Stevens? Hang on, I said that you wouldn't take the bribe because you're a stand-up guy. Oh, no, that's wrong. Thank you to kitchen gadget expert, Rick Samella! Before we hit the final round, Ben Wattle scores! Michael and Sarah have five and a half, Margaret and Chris have seven and a half. Tell me what is the wrongest thing to do in any given situation. The winner gets a handful of my ointment. Oh. 
The round ends when producer Ben blows off. A Japanese businessman wants to buy your used panties for 20 euros. What is the wrong thing to do? Give it to him for 15. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say uh, trigger article 50. Is that... (laughs) I mean, that's the answer. ask for the money in sterling. A vicar calls you a dickhead. What is the wrong thing to do? Take your foot off his neck. (laughs) Your baby niece's first word is finger bang. What is the wrong thing to do? Teach her the word cunt punt. Keep reading her those books. (laughs) Due to an admin error, you're booked to give a TED talk on mayonnaise. What is the wrong thing to do? Uh, Give them rivers of blood instead. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus quite likes you, but he prefers your mum. What is the wrong thing to do? My mum once got left to church by Jesus, and that's true to her. What were the circumstances? Um, she wanted to go home and she couldn't turn the car left to go home. The car turned on its own right to go to the church. Jesus gave her a lift to church. She's a fucking lunatic. Did he indicate or is he a dangerous driver? Well, he was drunk, wasn't he? All that wine. All that wine. It was water when he's opened the bottle. <laughs> Poor bastard. I just want some water. John, put it in my mouth for me. Even when it touches my tongue. <laughs> Kill me. Somebody kill me. (laughs) Three days later, what? Are you kidding me? I give you one job. You meet a man with exactly the same face as you. What is the wrong thing to do? Sit on it. (laughs) I think the show's just crashed. So that's the end of the show. And in the words of Darth Vader... Here he is! <laughs> Producer Ben, what are the final scores? Well, very fittingly, Michael and Sarah have nine and a half, Margaret and Chris have nine and a half! Oh! Well done to everybody! Thanks for listening, goodbye! Do the right thing for you, Sarah Kendall, Chris Anderson, Mark Cable, Smith, Michael Lake, expert guest Rick Smother, and me, Daniel Ward. I devise it, producer Ben Walker.